from WUSC-FM and HG1 Columbia, I'm Flynn Snyder. And I'm Trey Martin. This is Hot Topics from WUSC News. Coming up, unusual winter weather is gripping parts of the South, bringing record temperatures, snow, and ice. The deep freeze is causing water pipes to burst and power to be shut down. We'll take you through this slippery situation. Also, Wells Fargo pledged to invest in six black-owned banks around the country, and you can find one of them right here in Columbia. We'll have the details. Plus, the student body presidential race is on. After the first debate last night, we sit down with the vice presidential candidate from the Evolve platform, Emily Dangler, to talk about her and her running mate's campaign. That's all coming up this week on Hot Topics. Welcome back to WUSC-FM. You are listening to Hot Topics. I'm Trey Martin, joined by... Flynn Snyder. And Flynn made me do the intro back in, and we're this is we're just all the way backwards today. I like it. Yeah, so um, toes. we've got a lot to talk about. We, we do. We went into our meeting on Monday, and we were like, oh, it's been a slow news week. And then we started talking, and we were like, no, it actually was not a slow news week at all. Yeah. Um, and I think the one of the biggest things uh, that is happening across the nation right now, at least the national storyline, is the winter weather that is hitting the deep south, particularly Texas. Yeah, it's been crazy to see a lot of the images coming from uh, places like Texas, Oklahoma, um, where water pipes are bursting, power is out, ice is everywhere, um, and... You know, it's just been crazy. The, they're not really built for that in the South. Definitely not. And Flynn was telling me, you're from up north. Yes. So, I mean, just what what's your kind of opinion when you see all this winter weather down here? Well, you know, at first I was kind of just like, oh, you know, they're just a bunch of wimps. You know, 48 hours without power. I've gone like four days without power before. But, you know, like when you think about it, the infrastructure for a lot of these buildings in Texas and Oklahoma, like we're not meant for this type of cold weather. Um, and so you, that's why you're seeing a lot of pipes burst because the pipes just aren't, you know, up to holding with this really cold weather. And uh, yeah, so you're seeing a lot of pipe bursts. And then the power outages is something that I found really interesting. And I think all of us are slowly becoming experts on like the national power grid because did you know, Trey, that Texas is on its own power grid? I did not. Yeah, so there's like an eastern power grid and a western power grid, and then there's like a Texas power grid. I mean, that would make sense. Yeah. So so basically how it works is that it's just basically supply and demand. So there's like, there's enough people in Texas, and there's enough energy in Texas. So they're like, you know what, we don't need any other states to produce our energy for us. We're just going to do it ourselves. And so in the summer, they see upticks in demands for like AC, but in the winter, they've never really had this demand before for all the heating. And that's why you're seeing these rolling blackouts because, you know, there's just such a surge in the demand for energy right now. So, I mean, it is a pretty dire situation. People are not used to this. And so it can be pretty scary when, you know, it's your first time being without power as a result of winter weather. It's one degree outside and, you know, you can't cook warm food. It, 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 it does it does kind of take you off your toes for a hot second if it's your first time experiencing something like that. Definitely. And, uh, you know, it is, I guess, you can lightheartedly talk about right. the, the weather and how people react to the weather. 
but it is a very serious situation mm-hmm. that they're going through, you know, um, specifically like a mat, like the elderly. I yeah. wonder what they're doing yeah. about this. Um, did you see that huge car accident yeah. that they had? A hundred, almost a hundred car pileup, I believe. Yeah, it in, was crazy. Uh, West. Did you see the videos from I it? I did, yeah. That was terrifying. Yeah, I feel like, you know, week after week, there's just another storm system coming through. We had one pass through yesterday, and then we're expecting another one. That's passing through the country as we speak. That's uh, giving like almost a quarter inch ice accumulations in some areas, which, you know, for that part of the country is, you know, devastating. It it will shut that place down for days. It's almost like people have been trying to tell us that weather has is going to change um, <laughs> for a long time. But I digress. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about, I guess, our next topic. Yeah. Um, right here in Colombia, we're going to localize um, a national story back in March when the coronavirus pandemic first hit the world, Wells Fargo made a pledge that they were going to invest $50 million into six black-owned banks across the United States. Or across the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these uh, black-owned banks are called minority depository institutions. Um, and so they're designed to specifically lend money to minority communities mm-hmm. um, who in the past might not have had access uh, to larger banks. Um, so since 2001, the number of these black-owned MDIs in the United States has gone from more than 100 to now only about 20 mm. across the entire United States. And one of them is here in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're driving into town and you're looking at the skyline, you might notice an Optus mm-hmm. sign on the one big of the, red one. Yeah. yeah, the big red Optus sign. Optus Bank is one of these black-owned MDIs that Wells Fargo invested in. And um, they did not say primarily how much money they gave each of these businesses. Uh, but I still think that's, that's really cool that, um, you know, we have one of these things, and I didn't even realize it was so rare right um, Right here in Columbia. Well, just that decrease. You said it went from 100 to just 20 across the country, not even just in South Carolina. Yes, that's across the country. Wow. I was, I was, you, you read that statistic to me before the show, and I was kind of shocked by that. I would have thought they would have gone the opposite way. So it's really good to see that investment going into these institutions for sure. And um, in this article, I'm, I'm reading it from uh, Q City Metro, and so it's out of Charlotte, I believe. And um, they also invested um, in a bank in Durham, North Carolina. Um, another one was in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Mobile, Alabama, New York City, and Los Angeles, California. Mm. Um, And so black-owned banks, they make up only a portion of these MDIs. So, of course, like um, there are other communities that own banks like this. Um, But the spokesperson in this article said that um, in this pandemic, they know that communities of color have been disproportionately impacted. Right. And this investment is part of Wells Fargo effort to generate a more inclusive right. recovery. So if you are a member of Optus Bank um, or if you've ever you know, banked through them, then uh, they definitely got a boost there from Wells Fargo. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, people might be listening to this and they're like, oh, this is just one big Wells Fargo commercial, but even just talking about the fact that it went from 100 to, to just now 20 and that, you know, a lot of these businesses, you know, already are disproportionately just affected in general, but COVID has just stratified that, uh, you know, disproportionality to, uh, to a degree as well. 
like I, I think it's important to just highlight the fact that that does happen and that these investments are crucial. And I think people forget that banks are like a, a business mm-hmm. of their own. Yeah. Like banks, they, they just view money like going into banks and mm-hmm. that's where you keep your money. But like the banks have to pay bills. They right. have to pay their employees. Mm-hmm. So like they they have to operate like a business too and they need these these funds and these grants. Yeah, and I mean like I think I think it's important too to draw a distinction here between Wells Fargo, which is a conglomerate of a bank, to Optus, which is more of a smaller scale bank that like you said is along the lines of a local business, you know, that needs this type of funding for sure. Um, but yeah, so I know it kind of seemed like we uh, rushed those topics, but for a very good reason, because we have um, a very special guest on today. Uh, we are going to be talking to Emily Dangler from the Evolve platform. That is one of the uh, campaigns hoping to get the uh, student body president role and vice president role uh, in the upcoming elections. We're going to be talking to her about her campaign platform and what uh, her and her running mate hope to achieve. That's coming up after the break. You're listening to Hot Topics right here from WSC News. We'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Hot Topics right here on WSC News. This past week, students across campus announced their campaign or their candidacy for student body president. And uh, one of those campaigns being the Evolve platform um, that is with uh, presidential candidate Aiden Baker and vice presidential candidate Emily Dangler. And uh, Emily joins us now. Emily, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us today. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for being here on uh, somewhat short notice. Your running mate, uh, Aiden, was supposed to be on today. He had to bow out at the last second. Uh, but so we thank you so much for coming on in his place today. No, thank you guys so much. I know Aiden couldn't be here, but I'm so grateful you guys let me step in in his place. And to Aiden, I know he's listening right now. I just want to say I love you so much. You're like family to me, and I can't wait to see you soon. So um, I think my first question is... I, I, so what would a, if you were to get the vice presidential position, what would the vice president do? What are some of your responsibilities in that uh, position? Yeah, so I have actually been working on the vice president's staff for the past two years. And a couple years ago, they changed the position. So now it really focuses on programming. And the way we do our programming is by amplifying student voices, by going and talking to students and see what type of things they want to see on campus. What are they needing? So we implement those programs. Every year, student government has two continuous programs, which is Freshman Council and the Carolina Closet. So those are both under the vice president. They run those programs. And then they have different programs every year based on what students are needing. Um, and so um, how did you kind of get involved um, with student government? And if somebody wants to maybe run for a platform, do they have to be previously involved with student government? I think that's a really great question. It's something I'm super passionate about. My freshman year, I came to school here not knowing a lot about student government. I found out about Freshman Council, which is the student government program for freshmen, the night before the application was due. I wrote it in about five minutes, submitting it, not thinking it was a big deal. I didn't even get an interview. It came time, and it was March of my freshman year. I was seeing all of the campaign stuff. I was like, why, what is this? I want to get involved. This seems so great. I ended up applying for the vice president's staff that March of my freshman year, and I got an interview and I got in. And I think it's really important that students know they can always get involved 
in student government, if you apply freshman year and you don't get in or you apply another time and maybe you don't get in, keep trying and there's always a place for you. Something that is really big on our platform is implementing office hours on Green Street for our executive positions so that we can talk to students who want to get involved. And even if it's not January or March, even if it's not August or March where the typical time is to enter student government, we can find a way for you to get involved and for you to help. Um, and uh, how did uh, you and Aiden come together, I guess, to uh, be partners for this campaign? So Aiden has been one of my good friends since freshman year. We actually met at the end of my freshman year. We both joined vice president staff together. The two of us and Hannah White, the current student body vice president, were the only three freshmen on the staff. So we instantly got this close bond and we've been friends ever since. Yeah, and uh, you know, so far your campaign has uh, kind of released two areas, key areas on your platform that you hope to focus on. One being energizing the student body, and two expanding student government. I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about each of those two areas, um, and specifically how you would go about doing that. So let's start with energizing the student body. What are some of your ideas in that department? So we really wanted to focus on energizing the student body because we know right now, especially a lot of students are feeling disconnected to the university with online classes. Some students might go weeks without even stepping foot on campus. So we want to bring back some really great programming on campus, keep it COVID safe, but give students a reason to feel connected to the school. Examples of this are bringing back Carolina Be Beautiful Week, which is a week all about body positivity. We kind of want to expand it and make it more inclusive to all students and really celebrate all of our individualities and what makes us different. And then we also want to bring back Key Week, which, Key Week, which stands for Knowledge Empowers You, and have it a week on all about pre-professional stuff and getting ready for the job fair. And hopefully with COVID possibly going away soon, the job market might be opening up. So we want to make sure that all Gamecocks are prepared and can get a job. Yeah. And then kind of talk about expanding the student government. You already talked about, um, you know, how people can get involved in, um, you know, expanding office hours on Green Street for uh, student government. But talk about a little bit more about what your plans are in terms of expanding and getting people involved more. Yeah, so I talked already about office hours on Green Street. That was one of our points. And then another thing is really just updating the student government website. Right now, if you go on, you can see the execs, names, and emails. And that's pretty much it. There's not a lot of information. So we want to update it to have questions and commonly asked questions and answers, ways to get involved, and also adding an in-depth list of every resource on campus. I know with resources coming from so many different offices on campus, it's hard to understand where to find the things you're looking for. So I think if we have one place where every student can go, it will really streamline that process and make all the great resources we have on campus more accessible to our students. Yes, I was I was just thinking, and you kind of answered the question that I had. There is so much going on on campus that uh, it it might seem hard to for a student to feel like they are connected with their student government. So um, I guess it does seem like a good idea to have you know uh, some kind of uh, central place you know that mm-hmm. you can look. Is there anything like that that exists now where a student could get in contact like directly with somebody? Um, in one of the that currently holds one of those positions? So right now, no, which is why we really wanted to create something like this. Currently in student government and throughout the school, if you're looking for a certain resource, there's someone you can go to. Like if you are looking for mental health resources, you could go to our Secretary of Health and Wellness. But there's not one place where you can see everything, which is why we want to create this space on our website. 
Yeah, and speaking of um, mental wellness, I just want to pick your brain on a couple topics that have been popular among students on social media, one of which being access to mental health care on campus. Um, There was a lot of criticism from students, especially during the pandemic, that mental health care through the university's health services was kind of hard to access, that there was a lack of availability of appointments. Do you guys have a plan in terms of how you plan to streamline or expand uh, access to mental health services on campus if you were to become uh, vice president president? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the biggest things with that is that there's a lot of hard, it's hard to understand the programs that the school currently has and the way they explain it on the website doesn't always make sense, which is what we want to have a special like mental health site on the thing I was talking about before, because we have so many great resources on campus. For example, right now, most of the counseling sessions at the school are online. And I know so many students, especially freshmen, have roommates and they might not feel comfortable having those counseling sessions at their apartment or dorm. But this health center actually offers rooms where you can reserve a private room to have your online counseling session. But most students don't know about that and aren't taking advantage of the opportunity. So we really want to educate students on what is there available with the school right now and can help them out. Yeah. And uh, you talk about being in-person versus virtual. Where do you guys stand on advocating for all uh, in-person commencement for 2021 graduates? Is that something that you guys would be working with uh, USC President Bob Kasson closely with to advocate for? Yeah, Aiden and I definitely want to advocate for in-person commencement for the upcoming graduating class. They've worked so hard these past four years, and I really do believe there's a safe way that we can do this so that they can still have the graduation ceremony that they deserve. Yeah, and um, I know um, your running mate, Aiden, was at the NAACP press conference today. Um, Where do you guys see your role in working with university officials and the NAACP chapter here at USC in um, working to either... Uh, maintain building names or rename building names. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, so actually one of our platform points is about repealing the Heritage Act. Aiden and I are both very passionate about this topic. Whether we win or we lose, we want to continue using our voices to speak out about renaming these buildings and making sure that everyone feels like Carolina is their home and everyone feels safe here. Um, And so I guess just from like a a general student's perspective, they, they might feel like you know, there there's the students and then there's the student government and then there's like, you know, the, the school, the mm-hmm. people above there. Um, so how much of a sway would you say that student government typically has um, when it when it comes to like trying to discuss, you know, things with like the board of trustees or the president or, or things like that who uh, can really make the some crucial decisions such as renaming buildings? So for issues like these, I think it's really great that student government officers, especially the president, vice president, get to be in the room with the board of trustees, with President Kasson during these discussions. But currently, students do not have a vote on the board of trustees, which is also something that Aiden and I want to continue the work of the past execs to really trying to get that so the student voice actually has a vote on the board. And, and so I think a lot of people, and we'll start to see the signs on Green Street soon from all the different campaigns. I think there's about four or five of them right now. But it's kind of hard sometimes. I mean, this is my third year here, Trey. This is, you know, senior year. And I'm not going to speak to you, but f- speak for you. But I'll say that it is sometimes hard to kind of distinguish between a lot of the campaigns and how they differ. Sometimes a lot of the policies seem similar. Um, so how does your campaign differ from a lot of the other campaigns um, that are ongoing right now? I think something that's a little different about Aiden and my campaign is that we really took in 
student voice into it. While Aid and I have both been student government for many years now, we are both heavily involved in organizations outside of student government, and we are listening to students and what they want and what changes they think need to be made on our campus. So it's not just our viewpoints as student government members, it's our viewpoints as members of the Carolina community from many different organizations. So what's the uh, the timetable looking like for these elections? Because it always seems for me like it, it comes up and it's like here and then mm-hmm. boom, it's gone. Yeah. So, so um, you know, what, when is um, like voting going to begin and when might, might we have these results? Yeah, and how can people vote? Okay, so yes, voting will be next week on Tuesday and Wednesday, the 23rd and 24th. And for both those days, all the candidates will be on Green Street, so you can come up and talk and chat about our platforms. Voting opens at 9 a.m. on the 23rd, closes at 5 p.m. on the 24th, and you can actually vote online, which is super easy because you can do it from anywhere, at sc.edu slash elections, and you find out the results at 5.30 on that Wednesday night. Awesome. Yeah. So it looks like we're running a, a little bit out of time, but just for really quick before we go, Emily, is there anything else that you think people listening should know about uh, your your and Aiden's campaign? Uh, I just want to thank you guys so much. And if anyone has any questions, definitely follow us on Instagram at EvolveUFSC underscore. We really want to speak out for the student body and we're here to listen to any issues you have and amplify the student voice. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. That was uh, Emily Dangler from the Evolve campaign, vice presidential candidate and uh, running mate to Aiden Baker, the presidential candidate there. Thank you guys so much or thank you so much for coming on tonight. We really appreciate your time. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Hot Topics. Join us every Wednesday for the latest news in entertainment, culture, food, and everything in between. Hot Topics is a production by WUSC News and Garnet Media Group and is produced by Troy Dassing. You can catch other WUSC News shows on Monday and Friday at 6 p.m. and on garnetmediagroup.org. Plus, if you're not able to catch WUSC News shows live, check out our podcast for all the highlights. Stream them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search WSC News. Plus, for round-the-clock updates about future shows, follow us online on Instagram and Twitter at WSC News. I'm Trey Martin. And I'm Flint Snyder. Thanks for joining us. And remember to keep it hot.